Hi, well, hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of The Unconditioned Life. My name is Linda Downey, and I'm really excited and honored to have speaking with me today, Jesse Torres. Jesse has been an amazing coach and mentor of mine and my business and of actually thousands of people with wonderful success because Jesse um, has an amazing story to share with you about how to have people create their best life. So Jesse, I would love it if you, in your own words, shared what you do and what it is that got you to this place, what your story and your journey has been. Awesome. Thank you, Linda. I'm super excited to be here and uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my um, story comes from, you know, my own journey in, in my life. And I share this story because my outcome is to help support people recognize that whatever happened to them, um, you know, doesn't have to define them in a negative way. Um, there's another side to the story. And I always talk about the champion in the arena. Um, and so I share my story because through my journey of the things that I've navigated, I've been able to come to the other side to understand humanity from a whole different set of lenses. And I think that in that, I can help people see their journey differently so that they're not suffering anymore with what happened to them. And so um, I've been a study of the human condition since I navigated my own um, apathy, my own point in my life where I, I no longer wanted to live, but would not take my own life because of my children. And, and they are the ones that kept me alive, but I had gotten to that tipping point in my journey where I didn't believe life was worth living. And, um, and that catalyst happened um, that made me decide life is worth living. And I'll share a little bit about that. Um, so my journey is, um, you know, coming yeah. from to uh, Peruvian parents who immigrated here from Peru, didn't speak the language. Spanish was my first uh, language. Um, and, you know, the only thing I knew was ab abuse with my father. I was um, being molested from my first memory. I, I didn't know any different. I idolized my dad. I thought I was special. I, I thought that, you know, it was so cool that I got to go to adult parties. He should have taken my mom. You know, I didn't understand it. As I got older, it started to become more uncomfortable, of course. And, you know, what ends up happening is I, I start to adopt a belief that I was now this filthy thing um, because it, it wasn't stopping. And it went all the way through till I was 18 um, when I met this gentleman and um, I fell in love and was ready to leave the house because he was still coming after me. Um, so in that, you know, I, I fell in love with this guy who, you know, had his own trauma. He was, um, you know, uh, lived with an alcoholic mother, the youngest of four. And, um, you know, she was very brutal in, in how she treated them. And so he thought, you know, I'll, I'll never let my kids see me drink. And I thought my kids will never be molested. And we thought we fixed it. So we enter a marriage at 18 and 21 because I told my mom, I'm going to move in with this guy because I was in love and I wanted to get away from my dad. And she wasn't seeing it. At 18 years old, I rebelled. I wanted to get out of the house. If he told me to be home at 10, I'd be home at midnight. If you'd be home at midnight, I'd be home at two, you know, and um, I told her that I was going to move in with him. And she said, she's my mom's 
of Catholic faith. And, you know, she said, my daughter's not going to live with a man and not be married. So I moved out Monday. We were married Friday. Wow. And that began my relationship, um, with, with my, my husband. And, um, that turned into a very, um, now there was a lot of beauty and, and I do want to preface my relationship with my, my ex-husband is that I, I love him and have nothing but forgiveness for him. And when I share these stories, I want that to be clear because it sounds like I'm speaking about this guy in such a terrible way, but it was just the dynamic of two very traumatized kids. I was 18. He was 21, you know, um, coming out of the ethers of our own trauma and now trying to create a relationship. And although there was an enormous amount of love, um, there was an enormous amount of emotional conditioning and, and pain and, you know, models of the world and belief systems, you know, that he didn't believe he deserved me. And, you know, I swore I would never leave him until I died, you know? And so it became this dynamic of like, I'm going to push you away because I don't believe I deserve you. And I'm going to be, nope, I'm just going to lick my wounds, band-aid, 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 because I'm never going to leave you to the point that it, it became very verbal, very emotional, very mentally abusive. And I believe I died in every way a human being could die. At the age of 28, um, my uh, older brother was murdered and um, was a devastation in the context of a few years. We had four deaths in the family that were extraordinary. His sister, my husband at the time, sister committed suicide. Um, his partner, he was LAPD, his partner got home from work, put on a John Wayne movie and had an aneurysm and died, left a, a six and a four-year-old. Um, and his uncle, who worked on the Puget Sound, um, walked on the shipyard and a, one of those big cranes with the big balls, steel balls with the hooks on the end, fell on his head, like just bizarre. And then my brother was murdered. And so it was just like this whole dynamic of like, I lost my faith. I, I was angry. I was just like, what is going on? How dare you take my brother from me? So it just created this dynamic of, you know, this life is, I, I you know, I hate it. It's just been nothing but suffering. It's been nothing but one thing after the other. And, you know, the beauty of it and my kids and, you know, there's a lot of, of beauty woven in there, but when you're so in the pain, that's all you're witness to. And that's all you feel. And it was kindness that actually, um, awoke me. Um, I had taken a course in emergency medicine. I, I lived life behind the yellow tape with my, my husband. And I, I wanted more for myself. I'd been a stay-at-home mom. I worked, had my own little t-shirt business or whatever, but I wanted more and I thought, well, maybe I could be a firefighter. <laughs> and so I took this course in emergency medicine. It was the first thing I had ever done because I was so kept. I was so like kept in my home. My, my ex was so jealous. And so I didn't do anything except go to work, come home. If somebody looked at me sideways, I was, you know, I was in trouble basically. Um, and so doing this class, I ended up flunking because my husband broke his leg and I was at the hospital in the morning at lunch after work, I'd go home, feed the kids, come back to the hospital. And I ended up flunking and it devastated me because it was the first thing I'd ever done for me. And, um, the teacher realized something was up. He said, you know what, I'll tell you what, I will 
not give you a fail. I'll give you an incomplete if you promise to come back and take the course next semester. And so I jumped on it. So I, I got to audit the class. Well, the class had half um, lecture and then half scenarios. So I got to be the patient for the 911 calls. So doing that, which was so outside of my comfort zone, I was so terrified of it because I'm like literally being strapped into a gurney and I'm like, oh my God, if my husband sees this, I'm going to be in big trouble. But I, I, I went and people were pulling leaves out of my hair and just pulling me out of bushes and, and they were thanking me and they had like pulled together a Best Buy card. It was the simplest little thing, but they pulled money together because I videotaped the whole thing and I gave them this big thing at the end. And this is back in 2003. So it wasn't as easy like making movies as it is now, but I made this movie for them and they pulled together money and gave me this Best Buy card, which was so simple, but it totally short-circuited me because I, I didn't realize you could be treated with kindness and not expect something in return. I, my father said, just people, you know, they want to get in your pants. So don't trust anybody, you know, and my husband would be like, just people subconsciously want to break up a good marriage. So don't talk about our marriage to anybody, you know? And so I always thought, you know, I lived in that hypervigilance. And um, when they treated me that way, I, I didn't even know to call it kindness. What I knew was that it woke something up in me that said, if this feeling is available, then life is worth living. And from that, and my outcome here is what, that, what happened then when I got out of my marriage is it created an obsession, an unsatiable hunger in me to understand. I wanted to know why my dad did what he did, why my mom ignored it, why I, uh, my husband did what he did and why I allowed it. And I started to read books and I started to get help. And so the, the outcome at this stage of the game is to recognize for, for your listeners that whatever circumstances you're going through you can still have the life of your dreams. You can still see things in a different way um, than only your pain and that there's opportunities for you to be able to, to live the life that you want. Yes. Oh my goodness, Jesse, that is an amazing story. And to be honest, I didn't, I never really heard all of that. So even though I've known you for, I think five years now, and you've been a wonderful mentor for me in different capacities, I didn't know all of that. I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of that. So um, thank you for the vulnerability and the authenticity because there are many, many, many people with their own version of something like that. Right. Uh, walking around thinking that is how this is how my life is this is how my life is and so your message what I'm hearing you say is it doesn't matter what it's been but all you need is to recognize the spark in yourself and then to follow that and you can get to where you would rather be that's what I heard in what you said Yes, very much. And, and trust that there is that spark. Sometimes we can't be witness to it when we're so in our pain. Um, but trust that if you're still here, there's still a flicker in there and that can be fueled and opened up. Um, and leading to the present day, um, as you know, Linda, I, I now uh, lost my, my younger brother to murder. And what I can tell you is, is that my perspective at this stage of the game with now the tools that I have, have caused me to see things differently. I understand, you know, forgiveness. I understand at, at a very profound level, I understand 
you know, trusting, you know, God, you know, like there's, there's, there's a greater good. There's some, there's a divine order that's happening that I, you know, am not, you know, I don't even pretend to understand, but I do have to trust because when I argue with reality, I lose a hundred percent of the time. And so with that, I, I need to ask my questions of, you know, what, what is the good in this? What, you know, and seeing the unfolding of family and, and, you know, the people that showed up for him. And I mean, there's just so much beauty woven in the chaos, but we're just not taught to seek it and, and, and trust that you don't have to go it alone. That's one of the biggest things I had to learn too. For a long time, I lone wolfed it and thought that I, nobody knew my world. Nobody could ever understand. Right. Right. And that's when we, when we keep ourselves separate from each other and from God, that's when we really stay stuck. That's been one of my lessons in my journey. Definitely the forgiveness is huge. So what I heard from you is forgiveness kind of needs to be a part of the picture. That is mm -hmm. my view of that. It, it needs to be part of the picture to truly transform your experience of yourself and your life. And I'm hearing trust, um, trusting that there is something, even if you can't have any inkling right now that it is there, is there anything else that you would wanna share with somebody who's maybe in as dire a place as you were, if they caught this conversation, one, one more thing, or maybe just those two are the main things that you would wanna say while we have the opportunity. Well, I, think, I think what's important is, you know, belief is so important seek, you know, seek the gift in the littlest things, seek the, the light in all the darkness and all the chaos and fan that light. Like, you know, what can you be grateful for? And sometimes when the pain is so hard, we're like nothing, everything sucks. And, and it's just like, you got breath, you know, you, 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 you are still here. And uh, you, the smile on a child on a playground or, you know, like really be present to what else is here. Because again, if we don't seek for the gift, we only remember the pain. And so if you can start to open up that channel and seeing that there is more, um, it's like Mr. Rogers put it, and I absolutely love this. Um, he says to the children during 9-11, when, you know, parents were having the, the Twin Towers hit, you know, on repeat on the news, right? And so these children are scared. And so he gets down at their level and he says, whenever there is chaos, there is always helpers. Look for the helpers. And, you know, and you see the firefighters running into the buildings. You see, you know, people helping each other who don't even know each other. Like, and, and yeah, it's, it's tragic that what's going on, but there's also this beauty that is woven in between. And I believe that to be true about everything we're going through because there's a beautiful, resilient, beautiful soul going through it. And if you're still here and you're alive, I know you've gone through what you've gone through, but you're here. And you're still choosing to be kind and you're still choosing to, that takes bravery. It's time to be witness to the other story. That's also true. There's a resilient, beautiful soul that had to go through it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so, so, so profound and amazing. And it made me think my story, um, you know, as you know, I have a daughter who passed away a few years ago and 
she was 15 and from the night she was born with no clue, she was rushed for open heart surgery and she had mm -hmm. two open heart surgeries, she had a stroke, she had a kidney transplant, she was the youngest kidney transplant at Children's Hospital of New York. Then she got cancer in her brain from the immunosuppression. But the beauty of that, um, as difficult as it was to be a mother to that kind of medical fragility in my daughter, was the humanity that showed up for us. So mm -hmm. what Mr. Rogers said, in the chaos was the helpers. I got to experience and receive humanity that I never ever would have known if she had been a regular little girl. Yeah. And that was that was one of her gifts. And also, you know, if, if anybody had a reason to complain, it was Charlotte and she never did. Like she mm -hmm. just was a smiley, joyful soul yeah. at every moment. And that was another thing of like, you know what, I can choose to be joyful or I can choose to be upset, resentful and angry because she always chose joy. She mm. just always did. If she wasn't okay, I knew it's because something was hurting her. Right. Who she was, was joy. So we all have that opportunity. Um, so with the, the helpful clues that you gave us and these tips and these things to think about, you can start to get yourself to choose joy more and more often, I believe. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for the wisdom of your journey. And um, it's certainly brought to many people wonderful opportunities because you've taken that. And now you've shared that with thousands of people. And I know you coach people and I would love to share if people are listening and they wanted to reach out to you, they wanted to be part of your tribe. Maybe they want to work with you. How would they do that? Uh, they can go to unshakablelife.com. And there's, there's a, you know, a video masterclass there that they can watch so that they can connect and see that, you know, this is something because it's such profound, beautiful work. You really have to be ready. And my question is, if not now, when? right? It's like, you know, trust that what's happened is showing up in ways that are limiting you. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, there's, there's an opportunity for you to be able to have the life of your dreams. You just have to seek it. Nobody's going to do it for you, but in the world now we have so much help. So don't, don't lone wolf it, reach out. I'd love to support you. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So I'll make sure that I include the link for that. And um, you can always just go based on what Jesse just said. And I thank you so much. If people reach out after they watch this, if, if I, they have any questions that I receive, I'll definitely pass them on to you. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much, Linda. And I'd like to offer your listeners also a free, um, you know, a 10 step guide to help just wake up that, that spark that I talked about. Um, and, and it'll just give you a system of what you can do right now in this moment, even if you feel like your situation is unbearable or you can't get out of. So um, I'd love to offer that. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll put the link for that as well. That's really, really sounds like a, a great thing. So thank you for your generosity on that. And um, maybe we'll have a chance to chat again at some point, but I just so appreciate your story and what it's brought. And I know that the people listening will really get something out of it. So thanks. Beautiful. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome.